Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. So we've been considering the book of Proverbs now for a couple months. And so we have, um, as we've gone through it, we've considered the introduction, we've considered the fear of the Lord, and this whole listing of um, angles on wisdom, the possession of wisdom, the propagation of wisdom, the portrait of wisdom, the pursuit of wisdom, the path of wisdom, the pearls of wisdom, is where we're at now as we're coming through this. And so we have pretty much handled it expositorily all the way to this point. Even coming through these pearls of wisdom, um, we considered then from Proverbs chapter 3 and then Proverbs chapter 6, considering different pearls of wisdom and looking at these topically, but again, starting expositorily from um, Proverbs 3 and Proverbs 6. The last three weeks, coming from Proverbs chapter 6, we've seen um, that we are called to be trustworthy, to be diligent. And then last week, it's kind of like, I can't put a positive this thing. We're being taught about who the worthless man is, right? And the reality is, the positive spin on that is, I don't want to be the worthless man, okay? But in each one of those three, in each one of those three, there was a, a little um, a side topic that ran through those. And I don't know if you saw them, specifically with being trustworthy and being diligent. And then up here in honoring Yahweh as well. And that was how we deal with our finances. How we deal with our finances. God's word has a lot to talk about regarding money. Up here, when we were talking about honoring Yahweh, we discussed about how we're supposed to be honoring Yahweh with our material resources. That boils down in our mind mostly to money. But it has more than, more than money. It has everything to do with my property and everything else that I own. Same concept as we're going to look at now. In, when we consider being trustworthy, um, does anybody remember the illustration that started off in Proverbs 6? What did Proverbs 6, being trustworthy, what did it really start off with? Not being what? surety for for someone else for a friend specifically in that illustration and go and beg and do whatever you can to get out of it and we talked about then being a co-signer of a loan and we'll come back to that um and three weeks from now lord willing or two sundays from now because this whole segment is going to wind up taking three weeks for us to cover okay there's just too much and even in the book of proverbs so we're not even we're going to talk about some verses outside of proverbs but this is all proverbs okay god has so much to talk about Um, And so we're going to be talking about our finances. And in that, we're going to talk about our attitude. That's today. We're going to look at our acquisition of finances. And then finally, the administration of our finances as well. But we want to move into today, then, what our attitude is going to be on finances. And the first thing you're going to see is our position as we look at this. And so you can see um, on your sermon note sheet, if you have that, there are going to be three areas. We're going to look at our position we're going to look at our priority, and we're going to look at our pursuit, okay? The first thing that's very important here as we consider this first thing is our position on finances, having it as our attitude, and that is Proverbs 22. Now, I'm going to have the verses up here today, so you have them on your sermon note sheet, so I challenge you to look at them as well, but knowing there's so many, and I'm going to run through this like the FedEx um, guy on the commercials, you know, that, um, that I'm going to put them all up here so I can just run through these as well, okay? But in Proverbs 22, verse 2, we read, The rich and the poor have this in common. The rich and the poor, they have this in common. What is the thing that they have in common? Yahweh is the maker of them all. Well, the same concept is then told us in Proverbs 29, verse 13. The poor and the oppressor. Now, that's kind of interesting here, because if you're doing um, an equative thing going on here, in Proverbs 22, it's who? The rich and the poor. In Proverbs 29, it's the poor and the... Oppressor, hmm, okay? So whether you like it or not, okay, we probably all sitting here, for the most part, are sitting in which category? You like to say the poor. You're the rich, okay? In the United States, you are the rich, okay? Compared to the rest of the world, you are stinking rich, okay? Now, some of you may be poorer than others in here. Does that make sense? But that's a relative statement. Make sense? Um, We all have... A lot. Does it make sense? Okay. And so um, we all tend to then, at times, or can, we shouldn't, but we, you know, remember we're talking about Jesus having what? Splanknon, compassion, right? For people. But too many times we struggle with not having that 
splanchnon. That'll come out later in a couple weeks from now when we talk about the administration of our finances, okay? But the thing that we need to have in our brain, and that is that the poor man and the oppressor have this in common as well. Yahweh gives light to the eyes of both. And what's the whole point here? What's the position? That is that you and I, regardless of your financial status, what? You've been made that way by Yahweh. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're not going to go to Psalm 139. You can go to Psalm 139. But you are fearfully and wonderfully made, okay? And that God made you. And that you are special to Him, regardless of how much money you have, how many figures are are before that, that, that decimal, okay? Psalm 24. The earth is whose? Yahweh's in what? All its fullness. The world in who? Those who dwell in it. So what about the people who are anti-God? Them too. That's exactly right. Because you know what? Before you got saved, guess what? You were anti-God. That's exactly right. Isn't that what we're reading in Titus chapter 3? That's who you used to be, right? I mean, I, I, mean, I can't look down my nose at anybody. Because the reality is, before Christ, that's me. And so, God owns the entirety of the world, and he owns everybody that's in the world so if god owns everything that's in the world and he owns everyone that's in the world how much of what you own is yours exactly right psalm 50 verse 7 12 hear O my people and i will speak O israel i will testify against you i am god your god i will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings which are continually before me i will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds. Why? For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine in all its fullness. Do you get it? God owns what? Everything. So how much can you do for him? Nothing. Isn't it amazing? But the mind of Israel, they, they began to, get, to be convoluted a little bit. They started to think they were doing God a, a favor. They were bringing them the sacrifices. I don't know. Again, I'm a Trekkie sometimes. or I used to be a Trekkie. Until I, you know, going through it this last time with Andrew, I thought, man, we should just stop. We didn't even finish it. It's like, this is really bad. I mean, which is really hard for me as a Trekkie to admit, okay? But, but there's the one episode where they're, they're bringing this force, um, sacrifices and, and vegetables and everything. That's, vegetables are okay to sacrifice. So, um, <laughs> yeah, anyways, at least one person got it. Anyways, and so they're bringing them all this stuff for sacrifice, but it was really just to continue to stoke the, the, the energy source that this thing had. Make sense? And it, but, but there was this feeling of the people that they were actually doing something for this God, which wasn't a God. And I just think that Gene Roddenberry, when he wrote a lot of these things, really took a lot of biblical concepts and he brought it in. Because that's, I think, what we tend to think we're doing for God sometimes. That we're helping God out. And God's like, do you not get it? I own everything. It's all mine. I don't need it. People wonder a lot of times why we don't pass a, an offering plate. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't want a tip. Do you get it? If, it, if the reason, only reason someone is giving an offering to God is because the plate is being passed, then they should never put it in. Why? Because as we talked about when you're honoring Yahweh, the idea of giving is as a, out of the desire of your heart to give. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you want to honor him with everything that you have. And so, therefore, you bring an offering, you bring it as an act of worship to him. And it may be to here, or it may be to another ministry, or whatever, but ultimately, your gift is given to who? To God. But does he need it? He doesn't need it. Why? He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's just going to turn around and sacrifice another one. If he wants a sacrifice, he's got plenty of them. And he knows every bird on the mountains. Do you, I mean, have you ever had blackbirds coming into your yard as they're doing their migration pattern? 
you ever try to count them? I mean, I feel like Abraham sometimes. You know, go out and look at the stars, count them if you can. I mean, there are just tons of birds. Did you ever see um, starlings? Yeah, starlings. Did you ever watch starlings actually move in form? Say again. Yeah, that word. Yeah, whatever that word is. Yeah, say that word again for me, Katie. Murmuration. That sounds like what I do sometimes. I murmur. Anyways, so, my, but yeah, yeah, and they move. And it, how do they do it? And in one pattern, room, 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 and they're like, there's not like one in front of them. It's like, but they, they, say it again. No accidents. no accidents. And God knows every single one of those starlings in their movements. Isn't this an amazing thing? That's our God. Our God. Our God. Does it make sense? And he owns everything. So if that's the case, then that should affect, affect my what? My priorities that I place upon finances. If God owns everything, including me, then it should affect my priority when it comes to finances. So we read in Proverbs 15, verse 16 and 17, better is a little with the fear of Yahweh than great treasure with treasure, with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. Proverbs 16, verse 8, better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. So again, I've said this in the past, I love colorizing things because it helps me to, to see things. Make sense? So in red, I got what? Better is, better is, better is, right? So there's a comparative being drawn for me here, okay? So for me, for Bob, anyways, Bob wants to be able to see the comparative. I think it's pretty cool that not just one verse being used twice. Now, that's important because God didn't want me just to understand it, so he gave it to me twice, so I get it. You know, it's not just not truly, it's truly, truly. But in case I missed it there in chapter 15, he brought it back in chapter 16. So it's not just truly, truly, it's truly, truly, truly. That's exactly right. And better is what? Well, better is the fear of Yahweh. Better is being where love is. And better is having something being done with righteousness. Than what? Than what? Than money. Look at it. What's all in green? Great treasure, fatted calf, vast revenues. So boil that down. Synopsize that for me. What's better? Say it. God. God. God's better than anything you can imagine. What about God? What do we have there? Think, think about it. There's three attributes that are listed there. Fear. Love. They kind of seem to be opposites. But there they are, put together right in the same verse, isn't it? Isn't that a kind of amazing thing? You know, we talked about that in Sunday school, right? Okay. Fear, love, and then righteousness. It's better for us to understand the fear of Yahweh, the love of Yahweh, the righteousness of Yahweh, than to have any resources. We watched um, War Room last night, Friday night. If you've never seen War Room, you need to watch War Room. I try to wa- we will try to watch it at least twice a year. Okay, it's a phenomenal movie. But at the end of the movie, at the end of the the um, the, the show, the movie. Um, Say again. Just give it away. I know. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. No, there's only one little part of it. But um, Priscilla Shire plays the, um, the the lead girl, whatever her name is. What's her name? Elizabeth. See, I don't even know their names. Anyways, but she says to her husband, who's, spoiler alert, turned back to the Lord. And she says, I'd rather have a man chasing after God than one chasing after treasures. Now, I probably messed that up, but you got what I mean, that's the whole point. And that's it. That's bingo. It's right there. There it is to chase after God than to chase after the things of the world. We'll get there when we get to the pursuit. Proverbs 11, verse 4. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but what? But righteousness delivers from wrath. Hmm. Proverbs 11, verse 28. He who trusts in his riches will what? will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. 
Do you kind of get the, remember back here what the better is thing? What was the third one? Better is what? Righteousness. 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 You've seen a pattern here? What priority ought to be? Okay. Proverbs 16, verse 16. Again, we have another better here. How much better to get wisdom than what? Gold. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Where does wisdom come from? God. Can you quote me a verse in that? No, no, you're going to kill yourself when I say it. Yeah, Proverbs 1, quote it for me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we go all the way back up here again with the better is, right? Better is, what was the first one? Better is the fear of the Lord, right? Righteousness, the love of God, where love is, where, where righteousness is, right? But riches do this, but, but righteousness doesn't. Now we get it again. Better is what? Wisdom. And where do we get wisdom? Where do we get understanding? If you remember, we go all the way back. It's from the fear of Yahweh. Okay? Again, the priority is going after Yahweh. Proverbs 10, verse 22. The blessing, the baracha of Yahweh makes one what? Rich. Ooh, wait a second. And he adds no what? Sorrow with it. But now let's keep this in context. What riches do you think it is? Eternal. Isn't that fun? Think about that. If you take that verse out by itself, what do you get? You get a health and wealth movement. God wants you to be what? Rich. But based upon the context of of everything else that is going on, what does God want you to be rich in? Righteousness. The fear of Yahweh. His love. In fact, Paul was praying for the believers of Ephesus that they would be filled with all the what? Anybody finish it up? Fullness of God. That you would be filled with all the fullness of God. That's kind of an impressive thing there. Yeah. Jesus, when he was on the earth, was full of the what? Fullness of God. He was the icon of God while he was on the earth. An icon is a um, is that statue kind of thing in Mister uh, um, Ceramics guy. Okay, when when you, when you would make a statue or something like that, what would you do with the the middle of it? You made it hollow. Why did you make it hollow? It limited the number of air bubbles that would get in. Yeah, that's kind of bad, isn't it? What happens to air bubbles when they're put in the kiln? As it gets hot, the air bubbles will expand, and then it will, yeah, it'll, it'll blow up. And there goes your statue. So those icons then are, are hollow. And so what they would do then in, um, in false religions, okay, with their idols, they would take them and they would stuff them with, with herbs and different things that would be used. When we're told that Jesus was the icon, if you would, of God. That in him, all the fullness of God was bodily. And yet Paul then prays for us that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, it goes back to Sunday school because we're, we're told that God's purpose for us is to be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. How cool is this? And so the blessing then of Yahweh makes one rich. But when he does it, he adds no what with it? Sorrow with it. Because the focus is not on the money, but on the God who what? Provided it. Now, is it wrong to have money? No. No. In fact, this one could, could state here that this could be actual finances on the earth. But what's going to go with it if it really is coming from Yahweh? No sorrow. Have you ever done the study on those who have won the lottery?
Do you realize that an overwhelming majority of people who win the lottery go bankrupt? <laughs> Think about that. That makes no sense. What do they get with their riches? Sorrow. Say again? <laughs> well, for a moment. I had a woman do that with her insurance check that she was supposed to pay me for her bathroom remodel. She bought a van with it instead. But I know that in the end, she's going to have sorrow. Yeah, she's going to break down. She's going to have sorrow. I mean, I didn't pray against her. Does that make sense? I mean, it didn't matter. Why? Because God was watching out for me. He's got my back. He's going to take care of me, right? But she claimed to be a believer. So from her perspective, what's going to happen? God's going to hold her accountable. If the blessing of Yahweh is making one rich, then there's, there's, a, there's a promise there. No sorrows coming with it. Matthew 6.33 is a verse you all know, and it comes on the heels, and we'll look at some of the other part of Matthew 6 in just a moment. Okay? But, but we're told a priority thing here. We're, it's, Jesus kind of summarizes this whole thing for us, right? But seek what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his his righteousness. And then what? Then all these things will be added unto you. We're going to talk about that a little bit more here. Then all these things will be added unto you. What are all these things that he talks about? What did Jesus just talk about in this passage in Matthew 6? All these things will be added unto you. Say again. Food, clothing, shelter. Food, clothing, shelter. Our basic necessities. If you would kind of boil down what our basic necessities are, shelter, clothing, food. Make sense? God says to us what? I know you need those things. I mean, duh. Who made you? Does it make sense? I know you need those. And so, if he is your father and if he loves you, then what? I mean, elsewhere, Jesus is talking about asking the father and he given it to you and he says if you ask your father for a for a fish will he give you a, a serpent if you ask for bread will he give you stone okay and he says if you then being what yes wicked evil know how to give good things how much more will your what heavenly father so why then are you what pursuing those things why are you in pursuit of them if it's not your priority and you know who actually owns it all? Does it make sense? I mean, if you know that God owns everything, everything is it, including you, and you can intellectually state that and say that you intimately, spiritually believe it, then it should have changed your priorities. And if your priorities have been switched around, now as a believer, it should then affect what you are literally pursuing in life. Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5 says, Do not, what? Do not overwork to be rich. So, what does overwork mean? Well, okay, you're, tell, you're, you're, you're defining, but I mean, I get it, okay. But, but what are you really saying by telling me that? You're working... All the time. Too much. Overworking. It's too much. Okay? Say again. You're out of balance. Good. I like that, John. You're out of balance. Okay? Do not overwork to be what? To be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Now, I know we're looking at this from the perspective of being a believer. Okay? But the reality, I used to be an unbeliever, right? And, uh, and some of you got saved when you were a kid and you don't know what that's like, okay? And so I wish I had your testimony. Make sense? But I know what it's like not to be saved as an adult and having wrong pursuits. And so, and I then, when I look out at the world and I look at people, I, I get where they're at. I understand where they're at. And it's just that I got saved when I was 23. And so I at least was still younger when I was saved, and now these people are in their 30s and 40s, and they still are walking in the what? The same path of, of stupidity, and I don't mean that as being rude. I mean, that's just reality, okay? Then they're not getting it, 
okay? And, and they look at their lives falling apart. And, and they can see that one of the key things is how much they have to work. And yet they what? They never have enough, so they never cease to stop overworking. Because the God that they're serving is mammon, money, the things that you can buy, and not the God who owns it all. And so they're continually seeking to get what? More and more and more and more. How much is enough? Just a little bit more. That make sense? And so until you have that much, you've got to continue to do what? Work. Strive. Work. Strive. Work a little harder. Work a little bit more. Get a little bit more money. And so you buy, 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 buy for people, for their love and all this kind of stuff, but people then don't feel loved because they're not being loved, and all of a sudden you start fighting with one another, right? And then what happens to your family? It falls apart. And everything that you thought you were striving for is gone. Remember the blessings of the the Lord is rich, and he'll bring what? No sorrow with it. Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own... Your own understanding. I mean, this isn't just because of Yahweh's understanding. Do you get it? Your own testimony. Your own comprehension. This is for the world. Your own testimony tells you this isn't working right. Something in here is wrong. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves what? They make themselves wings, and they what? They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. They're gone. I mean, tell me a verse about man. What's man like? Man is just a what? A vapor. He's just a vapor. What else is he like? Say again? But dust. Yeah. The Bible's got some pretty good concepts about who we are and how long we're going to last isn't it we're, we're, we're like a leaf we're like a blade of grass whoosh, gone you know we we bloom today and we're whoosh, gone tomorrow the days of man are 70 and if by strength what 80 so what about all the stuff that you have what about all the money that you have it's gone too do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding, cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not for riches? Certainly make themselves wings. Man. You know it. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty. A faithful man, the Amuna man, that's the Amen Amen, the Amuna man, will abound with blessings again, this blessings thing. But he who hastens to be rich will not go... What? Unpunished. Ooh. He who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Proverbs um, 28, verse 22. A man with an evil eye does what? Hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. If you know God owns everything and that he has promised to take care of you, assuming you're his, and so, if all that is true, and you are changing your priority and changing the way you think about the things you own, then that ought to change what you're, what? Pursuing. Well, just in case you're wondering, I don't know, God's letting us know what's going to happen to those who are pursuing riches. You're going to get punished, and you're going to do what? Have poverty. Those are two P words that I don't want. We have all the possession and all the memory of the path of wisdom and all that kind of stuff. Well, I don't want punishment and poverty. Does it make sense? But that's what God promises are going to happen. Now, so I've got a guy who has millions of dollars and he dies with it. Doesn't seem like he was punished. And he certainly didn't become poverty. Those verses don't apply. Those verses are wrong. Is that right? Tell me how I'm wrong. 
I don't have an eternal perspective. That's exactly right. Because what's going to happen? Think rich man and Lazarus. Good. Rich man and Lazarus. Okay. So what happens? Lazarus is a what? He's a beggar. He's a beggar. Never had anything. Poverty. I mean, talking totally wrong, right? So he dies. And where does he go? Abraham's bosom. But the rich man who, whose house that he sat in front of all the time, who wouldn't give me a, a crumb of bread, right? He dies, and where does he go? Perdition to, to hell, to the place of torment, okay? And he looks up, and he sees what? Who? He sees Lazarus sitting where? In the bosom of Abraham. And he calls out to Abraham. And he says to Abraham, send Lazarus, with some water to, to just drop it on my tongue to cool my tongue. What hasn't, what hasn't the rich man figured out yet? Say, he's there for eternity. He's getting the same treatment he gave Lazarus. He can't, he can't buy relief. They're in different places. I, what hits me right off the bat, the first thing I always think of when I, when I do this is, he still thinks he's over, over Lazarus. He still thinks he's over Lazarus. Lazarus is still a slave, man. Lazarus is still a nobody. You know, send, send Lazarus over with, the, with some water to cool my tongue. I mean, think of what Jesus said, that in perdition there's going to be weeping and what? Gnashing of teeth. I mean, you got this guy over there. He hasn't figured it out yet. He's in perdition. He hasn't figured it out. Send Lazarus over. Abraham's got to kind of straighten him out a little bit here, right? <laughs> Sorry, dude. Lazarus is here? You are there. Figure it out. You had your few years of goodness, but you got a wrong attitude. Lazarus? He's got this for eternity, baby. You figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You figure it out. Where would you rather be? Right now, we know, we think we know where we'd rather be, but honestly, we have to have that eternal perspective because that's in the end so in the end who was rich and who was poverty richer lazarus was rich the rich man was in poverty lazarus was sitting where in the bosom of abraham the rich man he was in punishment how long the rest of his life well he's already dead so but no no i'm with you john i get it the rest of his everlasting life. How long is that? Somebody define eternity for me. You know what? As a math major, I hated the sideways eight. You know that little infinity sign? I mean, how much is infinity? A little, yeah, a little bit more. A lot bit more. I mean, what's infinity plus one? Infinity. What's infinity times a thousand? Infinity. What's in, I, mean, I mean, it's infinity. What's infinity? I can't name infinity. Do you realize that you're going to live that long? How do I feel about zero? Well, at least it's defined. It's nothing. I mean, now, if we talk about null, that's a, if we talk about null, null is a different concept because null is a null set. Zero I can define. Null I can't define. Anyways, we're not going into math right now. We're getting into math. Anyways, so, but it's a, it's a mind-boggling moment. Do you get it? And I've got to keep that eternal perspective. So, this guy who hastens after riches, even though on the earth it seems like what? He got through the gauntlet. And he what? And he made it. He didn't make it. What he's going to find out is that his fidelity account didn't get transferred to the first bank of heaven. He doesn't buy an upgrade of a house. His car, it's still in the garage. One of the kids just wrecked it. Whatever. You get what I'm saying? It's just how it plays out. Proverbs 30, verse 7 to 9, has been a prayer of mine for many, many years. Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, 
Who is Yahweh? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Two things I ask of you. I just really rejoice in the Lord. I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to be a deceiver. How easy it is for us to shade the truth, to protect our own, our own pride. It's another message. But neither give me poverty nor riches. Now that's a struggle as an American because even though I pray that and God answers that for me, I still struggle with the fact that I want what? I want more. I want riches. Okay, God, I, said, I know I'm praying that. I know I'm praying that. But really what I'm really saying is give me not poverty. Give me riches. But I understand, but in my spirit when I'm praying, I understand what I'm asking for. Because I know that for Bob, and this is not for everybody, I get it. Okay? God gives some guys grace to be able to have significant amount of riches and not to be distracted. For Bob, it would be a huge distraction. I don't want to have too much. I want to have my daily bread. Again, I don't have time to go into all testimonies of watching God. But just real quick, I mean, I've shared in the past how I prayed that one morning in my quiet time, God, I, I want more time to serve you, but I need to pay off some of these bills. This is when we were planting the church, and you know, I had five jobs at one time, and, um, and it was just... Anyways, and so at lunchtime in the mail, there was a check for $6,000. It was in the mail. It was from Germany, which meant that it had to be sent at least a week before that. I called. Now, I shouldn't even say where it was from. Some of you may be able to place this. Okay, so please don't go there in your brain. I'm thinking of you. So, because <laughs> you'd know. And so um, I called and I got a hold of the, the, the wife, and, um, and I wanted to make sure that it was, um, it was the next morning because, you know, the time changed. And I wanted to make sure that it was valid. So I, I wrote the balance of my checkbook once to a garbage company, and they were nice enough to call and find out if I really meant to do that or not. And my, my wife said, no, no, no. We would have had garbage for the rest of our life. Anyways, and so um, I don't know. I'm a math guy. Marcia says, boy, it's really scary when I do the basic stuff, though. I could do the calculus, but that basic stuff is real hard. Anyways, so, anyways, yeah, I wrote the balance rather than what I owed him. So, anyways, but I want to make sure this person didn't do I want to make sure this person didn't do that, you know? And so, so the, this lady says, she says, no, she says, um, we had someone in the family who died, and we got an inheritance, and we've been praying about what God would have us to do with the money. And then she literally quoted my prayer from the day before. I mean, verbatim, word for word, that God put upon their heart that I needed, and it's been years now, that I needed more time for the ministry and that I would, I, it would be a blessing to me if I would be able to pay off some of my bills or whatever, da-da-da-da-da. And it was exactly what I needed to pay off my 15 passenger. My oldest son needed orthodontic work. I didn't have funds to do that. Again, I'm, I'm planting a church and I have five jobs. The dentist who has given us free coverage, so that's another story. I mean, God, God challenged me. I don't need to give you money. I told you I would meet, you, meet your needs. I had a dentist, a dentist, call me out of the blue, didn't go attend our church, ten, out of the blue said, hey, God put it on our heart to give somebody uh, free dental care. And um, and I believe he wants it to be you. Would you guys accept, consider accepting free dental coverage? Do you realize I've got seven kids? And a lot of them are young. And he said, yeah, yeah. So for years, I mean, it just changed. It just, he, he just stopped doing it. Change in life, right? I had free dental coverage for years. Do you realize how much that is? I mean, I couldn't have had that. But anyways, but that guy, that guy, upon all that, said, oh, I think I have a little bit extra left um, from what I'd really committed to the Lord. And, um, and Matthew really needs those. And so we'll make it happen. 
You can't outgive God. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Anyways, I could go on with just giving you illustration after illustration after illustration of watching how my God has provided for me. I've never had too little. I've never had to go out and steal and profane the name of my God. But I ain't never had a <laughs> on the other side either, and I'm not complaining. Because if I add up all that God has given to me in whatever ways, I mean, and I could go on with illustrations even through you guys. I am stinking rich. Do you get it? My father is rich in houses and lands. And I'm going to mess up the next line. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hand with rubies and diamonds and silver and gold. His coffers are full. He's got riches untold. I'm a child of the king. Do you get it? I'm a child of the king. Father, give me just my daily bread. Whatever it is I need today, meet my need. Now, I know what today is. It's our chili cook-off. That means that God is going to provide beans and meat later on. 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 10. Now, godliness with what? Contentment. That's kind of like a four-letter word. It's just longer. Now, godliness with contentment is great what? Gain. Great riches. It's great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be what? Content. But those who what? Desire to be rich, note the words, those who desire to be rich fall into what? Temptation, troublesome situations, and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of many, money, not money itself, but the love of money, the desire to be rich, is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have what? Strayed what? From the faith. In their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Again, I want to be careful as I'm stating all this, that riches by themselves are not what is evil. Does it make sense? As we have this, looking at our attitude toward riches, riches, money, finances by themselves are not that. Okay? What is evil? Well, the heart, but the, the love. It's that pursuit in what I am pursuing, if I am pursuing after riches, if, if, if this is what I am desiring and, and I'm, I'm greedy and, 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 I'm, and I'm loving the money, right? What does it say about my priorities? It's exactly right. My priority isn't on God and the kingdom and his righteousness, but rather it's on me. It's on me. Say money, but really it's on it's on me. Because that's why I want the, the money. What does it say about my doctrine? My, 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 in the end, we talk about this in Sunday school, my doctrine. See, doctrine, what, the teaching, what you, what you have as a base teaching is going to affect how you start to live. So what does it really say when I'm pursuing that and not God? About God. He really isn't the creator of all things. He really doesn't own everything. I can really be my own God then. He's really not sovereign over my life. The rich and the what? Poor have what? This in common. What was it they have in common? He's the... Ooh. And now I find out how it's going to play out in my, my life. So if he's my maker, then he ought to be the one that I'm seeking to, to magnify in all things. I'm going to close with Matthew 19. Jumping into the story of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. And uh, Jesus, you know, he says, how do I go to heaven? And he says, well, you know the commandments, so on and so forth, right? And so this is the end of it. And so I'm trusting in your knowledge on this one. Verse 21. Jesus then said to him, if you want to be 
what? Perfect. Ooh. If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not impossible. It's what? Hard. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And I know there's a lot of people who want to make that into this hole that was in the wall. That, that, that's just, it's not really there. Okay? Just make it what it is. Go through the eye of a needle. Then for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men, this is what? Impossible. What with God? All things are possible. I'm mindful of the words of Queen Elizabeth, who she was talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the end of chapter 1, where he was talking about how God has chosen. And, and, And it says, "In God, and not many noble. And she said, I'm so grateful for that M. That it says not many noble, and it doesn't say not any noble. Praise the Lord. God's not saying that riches are evil. God's not saying that if you've got wealth, you can't come to heaven. What he's saying is that it is one of the greatest tests that we will ever face. Because it's riches is really that area, our financials, our material resources, if you would, is that primary area where we're really going to be tested as to who we serve. And so Jesus said in Matthew 6, you cannot serve what? Two masters. You, you, you're you going to serve the one and despise the other. You're going to love the one and hate the other. You can't serve God and mammon. And again, the word mammon literally is the things that money buys. Materialism. You cannot serve them both. You have to make a decision. Now, does it mean that God, if you serve God, you're going to be poor? No, not at all. God will use you as a steward of his resources for, to distribute for his kingdom's glory. That's what he does. He works through us. But if I begin to believe it's mine and not his, that's when the punishment, that's when the trouble ultimately begins. So, what is your attitude toward finances? What has it been? Do you see yourself as a steward of God's resources or vice versa? You say, what do you mean by that? Do you see yourself as a steward? Distributing and doing what God wants with what he has given to you. Or do you see it as your stuff? And then when you pray, you ask God to come alongside and serve you. To give you more. And to, and to multiply it to you. The well done, my good and faithful servant, was given to who? The steward, servant, who was given the talents from the Lord and went out and did what? Invested and multiplied them. Yeah, because they served him, not him serving them. What would you consider the top three priorities of your life? I put blanks down there in, your, in that, that part of the, the sermon note sheet. Okay? So that you have a one, a two, and a three. So that you can actually write them down. Now, this is easy. Okay? Because this is like open book test, right? You're at the end of the class. We just got through this. And so the number one answer is God, God, God. No, 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 no. Don't go there. I want you to really pray, prayerfully think about this. What are the top th- priorities, three priorities of your life? What are you pursuing? If someone from the outside would look at you, be honest, what would they declare were your top three priorities? You can deceive everybody else. You can even deceive yourself. But you're not going to deceive God. 
Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, clearly you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. You're the Father of lights in whom there is no variance or turning. And so, Lord, the things that you declared through Solomon and others regarding your ownership of the world and everything and uh, your ownership of us applies to us today. It hasn't changed. And as Americans, Lord, clearly we, we deal with this struggle between serving you and serving mammon. Forgive us, Father, for being distracted so many times by the things of this world. I'm mindful even then, Lord, how when you were on the earth and how um, the devil came to tempt you, that he even tempted you then in the same manner, offering you um, all the things of the world, if you would just bow down and worship him. But that you refused and quoted how that we are to worship Yahweh and him alone. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have your mind. Help us to walk in your truth. Help us to have your word hidden in our hearts that we would not sin against you. That it would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. And Lord, help us to magnify you. Being stewards of that which you have graciously given to us. Those areas, Lord, where we need to change, I ask that you would open it up to us and that we would willingly listen and respond, that you would receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.